College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 52 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Tonight's episode, as always, brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the pros. I am joined by Aaron Zebediah Fit, hashtag Zebby Barrels, Joseph Jose Healy, and Kendall J. Rogers. Gentlemen, good evening. How are you? Surviving, Runes. Surviving in advance. Excellent. Hey, so boys... I, we have a, we're going to do regional previews tonight, so we've got to be succinct. We've got to be crisp. We've got to be clean. I'm wearing my stopwatch because of that. Fitzy, you have your stopwatch because of Let's that. Go. That said, we are You're not – You're on the clock. No, I'm just kidding. We're not – yes, yes, I am. <laughs> we're not skipping the inane banter part of the podcast. We're skipping the banter part, but let's get to the inane. Omaha is two weeks from now. It is a grind. It's a long, awesome two weeks, and I have decided – that we need a Chuck Box Press Box theme night. The Chuck Box Press Box theme night. I'm going to do a Twitter poll, but I just want to give you guys a head start. And any listeners, I want responses. I've got some ideas for our theme night. Okay? Let me run the ideas past you just to let it marinate. One is jersey night. Like, for instance, I could show up with my Cade McNown Bears jersey. One is Hawaiian shirt night. Now, I think we'd have to pair that for something with the ladies, like, Hawaiian shirt, animal print night. I don't know, something something in tandem. Another is hat night, wear your best hat. Another is exotic snack night. Maybe some guys like to have broccoli in their book bag, like flavored broccoli. There's We go a lot of, and then I'm open to other ideas. So Twitter poll will be forthcoming. Another option is no theme night, if you just want to be totally no fun. <laughs> That's what but, Teddy's going to vote for. Yeah, <laughs> Teddy. No, don't Teddy, do it, Actually, Teddy. Teddy won't even vote. What am I talking about? Yes. So look out for that Twitter poll, boys. Let's get the juices flowing. Fitzy, do you even own a jersey? Do you have like uh, a cool football jersey? Tom I, Brady? I, I, do have a, I do Gabbert? have a Brady. I do have a Brady jersey. I've not gotten my Gabbert jersey yet. I've ordered it. <laughs> you uh, better hurry. Mail. I know. We're running out of it's a Brady Pats jersey there, right? It doesn't matter. Oh. No, answer the question. Oh, no, let's, Michigan. Let's, let's move on, please. You had to Joe, did you have something? I did. When you said jersey night, I thought maybe it was like we we're going to wear airbrush t-shirts from the Jersey Shore. Or like muscle <laughs> t-shirts with our hair slicked Let, up. I thought that's what. Yeah, you I think I'll get. slick my hair up a little bit. Clearly, yeah. Joe. I've heard in SEC circles they do call you Joe the Situation. Like I've heard that thrown yeah. around. Yeah. I did hear, by the way, at the live show. By the way, thank you for coming out. If you came to Mark and I's live show at Brock's Gap Brewing yes. last week in Hoover, I was wearing a floral print shirt that someone in the audience described as swaggy, and that is the first time really? anything associated with me has been described as swaggy. All right. Yeah. So it you was, know, I'll cut a few hashtag elegance. Right no, it was. Listen, yeah. it was swaggy at, uh, AF, I believe, as the kids yeah. would say. Okay. Um, <laughs> Whoa! I mean, you it was. It was in there. By the way, very I have a theory. Can I tell you a theory that I have? I think Aaron is growing his hair out like he is in honor of Red Lover. I think he's so in for the Deeks. No, that yes. his hair is that way because of Red Lover. You've already said that. I think I've already said that. Yeah. Every time anyone makes fun of me of my hair, I'm like, listen, when Rhett cuts his hair, I'm going to cut my hair, but not until then. Anyway, I said that on a video. God, come on, like Kendall. That. Dude, it's been a long couple of weeks. Yes, so maybe this is the, absolutely maybe the, an homage to Rhett. Let's go. The, the theme will be maybe swaggy shirt night, but we'll, yeah. we'll, that might be the better answer. What did Rhett say he'll cut his hair for if they win the natty? Is that what it is? 
Did he say that? I don't know. I thought you said that. Like, there's some sort of bet. Like when he cuts his hair, like he'll cut his hair if X. I don't know if there is or not. I don't know. I'm holding out for Rhett. All right. No more what if talk he never about cuts hair. his hair? It's it's ridiculous, ridiculous topic. Come on. We're on the clock. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So we're going to preview the 16 regionals. We are going to max out at three minutes per regional, and then the gong will be bonged, if you will. So what we're going to do is a theme in three, meaning that if you're in charge of that regional, you're going to just give us a theme. And then the other three of us will give a player to watch in the regional. Theme in three. Kendall, since you're sitting up top upper left there, let's get the clock started. You've got the the Winston-Salem regional. Give us a theme. Wake has been the team that all year long has been an unstoppable force. To me, they're the most balanced team in this field, pitching-wise, offensively, in the bullpen. They're going to draw George Mason, probably the worst force in the field. But I'll tell you what, Maryland and Northeastern are scary. I think when you look at Maryland and the fact that they hosted a regional last year, they they ended up losing that that regional. But they they got older guys in that lineup, Matt Shaw and company, Nick LaRusso. And they know what to expect, right? So nothing's going to bother them. Nothing's going to intimidate them. And so I think they're really dangerous in this regional. Uh, Wake is the clear-cut favorite. And then you have Northeastern with Mike Glavin. He's done a terrific job. And I circled the name Mike Sirota. He's had a tremendous year. He's an exciting player. They're another team with depth as well. Wake is clearly the favorite. But I think Maryland and Northeastern are more than capable of applying some stress to the number one overall national seed. All right, perfect. I'll go player. Give me Danny Crossan, the third baseman of Northeastern. So I believe he's the guy that dropped the pop-up in that game that could have advanced them immediately to the title game. And he came back the next game and was like four for five. So he's obviously a very good player. He's got 10 home runs, 16 RBIs. He's a name we've been hearing about all year, even coming into the season. But I just love that. This is that time of year where you got to be able to make a mistake that's going to feel huge and then move on from it. So Danny Crossan, I see you and I dig it. Good observation. Oh, you're muted, Fitzy. If you... You're muted. Jeez. Pulled the Kendall. I can't believe it. He's a baller, too. <laughs> he's an all-fit candidate. He's a, he's a smaller veteran guy who's strong, and he's just a lot of fun. He's go. a really good player. Like Shot collar, huh? Joseph, who are you saying player of interest here? I'm going to go a little bit off the board. George Mason, left-hander Ben Shields. Wow. He started his career at UMass. He's had a quietly really excellent year for George Mason. But 102 strikeouts in 74 and a third innings, holding opponents to a 197 batting average, keeps the ball in the ballpark, has only given up six home runs this year. Just a quietly really solid year, graduate student, a veteran. George Mason's going to have to pull a little bit of a rabbit out of its hat, um, but they've got a couple good arms. Might be a little upset-minded in the game in which Ben Shields starts. At first, I misread his name as Ben Sheets, and I was like, how long have I been asleep? That would be a tough draw for Wake Forest. That would, ben, Sheets, ben Sheets then, maybe. Ben Sheets now, I'm not so not so <laughs> That's a bad wing. Been a couple of years, but Ben Shields, George Mason. Fitzy, this this is teed up for you right now. Don't mess this up. Yeah, so I, I was prepared to throw you guys a curveball and go with the George Mason player. I wanted to give you South Trimble, the veteran first baseman who's had a really nice year. But since Joe went with the George Mason guy, I got to take a Maryland guy. And yes. We're going to go with the Bay State's own Matthew Shaw. It's an obvious one. Come on. But he's the best player in this regional who doesn't play for Wake Forest. All-American shortstop. God, wax on, wax off, coach. I see what you're doing. I see you yeah. working there. It's going to go 100 RBIs this weekend. Why didn't I go with Lutus? Because we're going with the Bay State's own Matthew Shaw. That's why. Yeah, that's uh, true. He's one of the best players in America, plain and simple. He's a shortstop, and just to put up bonkers numbers, he's really good. He's just a really good player, and that's the guy that makes him go. Yes, he's got an 1,100 ops with 23 homers and 20 doubles and 17 steals, and he's a shortstop. He's one of the best players in America, period. 
Interestingly, a guy from the Bay State playing his college baseball in what Joe likes to think of as the old Bay State of Maryland. Ah, I see what you did. See you working. Big old Bay guy here, for sure. Okay, boys, we were 52 seconds heavy in that segment. I'm going to get us back on track. Let's go to the Tuscaloosa Regional, which is, by the way, the only preview that's been posted already. I see you, Joe Healy. Let me give you a theme. Alabama, very talented. This is not just a cool story that they're 10-4 and since Jason Jackson took over. This was a preseason top 25 team. They've got legit talent. This is an Omaha roster, in my opinion. Nichols State has a win over LSU at LSU this year. So look out for the Colonels. Troy is a team. Shane Lewis is the headliner. The one thing concerned about Troy is they've not played very good defense this year. Boston College just missed hosting. That's a whiff for us in college baseball, but it is what it is. Last time BC made a regional, they were sent to the Southeast as well. That was Oxford, Mississippi. They won that regional. Big Joe Vitrano is a just absolute personal fave. So very interesting. I just, I think Alabama's got Omaha talent. It's a very intriguing regional. We'll see. Joseph, let's stay in clockwise order here. Player of interest, please. If I was going to pick a player based on his name alone, I would go with Nichols Nico Saltaformaggio, who is a reliever and he's having a really nice year. Instead, I'm going to go Nichols pitcher Jacob Myers. I'm going to be honest. I didn't know anything about this guy until I started writing up the preview. And then I was, I started looking at his numbers and I'm like, this is pretty good, huh? 193 ERA, holding opponents to a 176 average. He struck out 97 batters in 70 innings. He was the Southland Conference freshman of the year because, oh, by the way, he's a freshman. He's six foot five, 205 pounds. That's a pretty good body too. So like this guy, I think is a legit guy. Now he will walk you. 55 walks in 70 innings. So you're going to have to, you might, maybe you can wait him out a little bit, but that's not necessarily going to be the most comfortable matchup, at least on paper for Alabama. So that might be the kind of deal where I think we're all familiar with this format where the four seed comes out and through five innings, it's tense. And you're like, is this really going to happen? And then maybe Alabama takes control there. But Jacob Meyer is certainly a guy to watch in that opening game. Love it. I think he's a four pitch guy too. He's got a sinker as well. It's really a, sounds like a pretty complete pitcher and a future star coach Rooney. I'm going to keep us moving here. I got to give you John West. I think he's Boston college's best arm. I was surprised they didn't start him in the ACC tournament. I think the second game that they lost, he came out of the bullpen against Clemson and was just dynamite, man. Absolutely nails. He had a career outing in the ALS game at Fenway park. Of course, we know the story with his losing his father to ALS, very emotional, awesome story, incredible dude six foot eight with tough angle he can pitch he's got a good change up breaking maybe 89 91 ish plays up though he's in my opinion the, the kind of the backbone of that pitching staff and a key guy this week for bc love it kendall don't forget to unmute you forgot to unmute i'm like i'm gonna go with the host team alabama and i'm gonna go with andrew pinkney this is a an excellent pick to click by aaron earlier this year coming into the season but you talk about a guy who's just been an electric player the last few weeks i saw those guys up at a&m a few weeks ago and he was awesome that weekend he just continued to the sec tournament you talk about a guy with a you know you talked about a great frame joe talked about jacob myers but you know, andrew pinkney he's listed at 63205 to me he looks more like 63220 like he looks fantastic physically. And you talk about a guy who, when SEC play, hit 330 with 11 home runs and 34 RBIs. Uh, those are really good numbers in the Southeastern Conference. So I just think when you look at Alabama, he is like the guy, him and Tommy Seidel are the two guys that I feel like that lineup kind of gravitates around. And when those two guys are rolling, Alabama is really difficult to beat. All right, we shaved three seconds off that time, 349, still a little heavy, but we're getting there. Joseph Healy, the Coral Gables regional, if you will. 
Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> Miami, I think, was a little bit of a sneaky at the lat. They tried to backdoor be a top eight, right? They started playing well in the ACC tournament, playing well towards the to bring to the table for them. And can Miami play well at this stage? It's been a while since we've seen Miami have success in the postseason, frankly. They missed the postseason a couple of times. They lost in a home regional last year. Yes, it was to Ole Miss. Maybe that was fate. But this is this is a talented team. It's a team that should win a home regional. I think they got a relatively fair draw. They've got a Texas team that's been up and down, has it certainly has its flaws, and a Louisiana team that just snuck in the field, speaking of the back door, snuck in the field through the back door. So this is a regional that feels like it's Miami's for the taking, but man, it has just been a long time since we've really seen that team play well at this stage. Fitzy? First off, Yo-Yo Morales put on an absolute freaking show in the ACC tournament. The guy looked like, I'm telling you this right now, if I had a top five pick, I don't know if I could pass on him. If I'm picking number five, let's say, and in, in, in the first few guys are off the board, he looked unbelievable. He's gotten so much better uh, with his approach, and, and he's obviously got power. He's always had elite bat speed, but his defense, his, his arm is all there. He's a leader. He's just an awesome player, and it's so fun to watch. And so I guess I'll just go with him. I was going to give you the one guy in this regional who has a higher weighted value above average, and that's Quinn McDaniel for Maine. But I'll save him for Kendall's. I know Kendall likes him. Woba? Is that what that is? It's something like that. It's something different, but. Go on. It's like, like war, it. college baseball war that our friends at 643 have developed. Love it. KR, you got a lot of teams to pick from here. This is your neighborhood. I'm going to go with Louisiana and go to a man, Kyle DeBarge. I remember a couple of years ago, I was on this guy from like day one when I saw them in the fall two years ago. And he has developed into that guy that we kind of thought he would get. He's got more walks and strikeouts. He leads the Cajuns at 370, 15 doubles, six homers, 35 RBIs. He's also a really solid defender. Again, he's their leading hitter, and he's also one of their maybe their premier defenders. So, like Kyle DeBarge for me for the Cajuns, he's going to be a big key for them as they played really well at the Sun Belt tournament last week. Like it. The I'll say this on Maine: what I'm told is their top three hitters is really carrying the offense. That's Jeremiah Jenkins, their first baseman, second baseman Quinn Matt Quinn. What is it? McDaniel. Quinn McDaniel. So they're front loaded there. This there's some great uniforms in this regional. I'll pick Texas. They just, they've struggled in the bullpen. Everything else about this team is really nice. And Dylan Earl Campbell is becoming a star. Like he's becoming a best player on the field type of guy. Tanner Witt is a little bit of an X factor there. But uh, yeah, I think what you, everything you said, Joe, this feels like Miami's to lose. Runes, can I hop in here real quick without making this going over too much? Keep an eye on LeBaron Johnson at Texas too. He has been like the one constant for them over the last month. He has been fantastic every time out. So keep an eye on LBJ this weekend. Yep. Well done, boys. 315 right there. That's good work. See, you're up with the Stanford Regional, Palo Alto, if you will. Yeah, this is very interesting because you've got one of the hottest teams all of a sudden out there in Texas A&M. Not like it's been a sustained hot streak, but clearly they found something here lately in in the SEC tournament. I know, Joe, you were there and detailed that run. This team, it was an Omaha team last year that feels like they figured it out, but... I feel like Stanford is the one leading national title contender that's lying in the weeds because they don't play in the ACC or the SEC and only the 16 people plus Joe that get the Pac-12 network get to watch their <laughs> games regularly. And so people don't understand just how good this team is, but I've talked about it a bunch. I think Bruno and Dowd at the back end with Quinn Matthews at the front, and then you've got Joey Dixon. You've got enough arms here, in my opinion, to really just shove some power stuff down people's throats in the postseason. And, and, and we know their offense is elite. They've been in Omaha two years in a row. Guys, Stanford's my national champion pick. I love that. that. Go really? On. Yep. All in. Mm-hmm. Kendall, player of interest, please. 
<clears throat> I'm going to go, we talked about A&M being red hot. Ironically enough, this guy, the last couple of games in Hoover wasn't awesome. But uh, I'm going to go with a man, Jay Flavolette. You talk about a, a mature, talented freshman. Uh, this is a guy that, again, looks the part. He's, what, 6'5", 230 pounds. We had 340, 14 bombs, 36 RBIs in conference play with a 1.294 OPS in the SEC. That's very good, especially for a freshman. So I think when you look at AM overall, when Lavalette is rocking and rolling, they're all of a sudden a really good offensive lineup. And if you look at the last couple of games in Hoover, you know, he didn't have great at-bats, and they didn't score a lot of runs because of that. So circle Jace Lavalette. If they're going to beat a, a supreme team like Stanford, which I agree with Aaron, I think Stanford's really good, he's going to have to be on. Very good. Joe, do you mind going? I might plug a couple in here backing you up. So you go first, and then I'll fill. Sure. Tyler Stoltz for Fullerton. The fact of the matter is they're going to need to pitch in this regional because somebody's going to, if you're going to compete to win this thing, somebody's going to have to slow down Stanford. And I think even Texas A&M to a degree, it's a different type of offense for A&M. We know how pesky they can be offensively. They started, I kept asking during the week in Hoover, different players and coach Lossnagel, if this felt similar to the way the offense is going. And I didn't get a real satisfying answer, but it feels to me like this is that off taking shape again. So again, you're going to have to pitch a little bit. And Tyler Stoltz has been rock, just rock steady for them. He's not, it's not anything super special, but he's taking the ball every time out, has solid numbers, feels quintessentially Fullerton in a lot of ways in that way. They're just, somebody's going to have to get Stanford out. And so he's going to be an important piece. But do they yeah. have a bebop? They've got a rock steady. <laughs> well done. Look at you. Redemption, Fitzy, for not taking Nick LaRusso. Well done. Boys, I'll say this. Brad Sanfilippo of San Jose State, just awesome. This is a job that does not look like a good job, and they've done an incredible what movement they've made in that program. And I know they went to Omaha in 2000, but there's been some dark times in that program. Fuller, Fitzy, all fit, just a data point. Zach Lou leads Fullerton in home runs with seven. He's 5'9", yeah. 100 and nothing, just, but a baller. I'm, I'm going to say Quinn Matthews, guys, because if Stanford's going to do anything, if they're going to fulfill your prophecy, Fitzy, he's, he got bombed last week in Scottsdale. Mm. That's he's got to he's got to be really a dude. Great point. Great point. Yep. But he's good. Like he's he obviously is a dude. Just had a bad outing. So who picks Fitzy? Three forty-seven runes. I, I, I know. Blame you little, on that. Yeah, that's me. Hey everyone, we're gonna take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Kendall LSU Baton Rouge, please. Yeah, if you're a fan of offense, you're gonna be a fan of this regional. I was just kind of crunching the numbers. All three of these teams have staff ERAs of around 40, 46 to 47 or higher, St. Houston being around 84. Tulane is a really weird team in the sense that they went 19 and 40. So your, your natural assumption is, oh, these guys stink. But if you look at their if you look at their roster, like it's guys, and when Travis Jew had brought them in, they're pretty talented. Tio Banks had a really good showing at the American Athletic Tournament. He was like a premier recruit out of high school. Simon Baumgart, guys like that. They're talented players. So – don't let that 19 and 40 deceive you. Like, they've got enough players to surprise some people. But when you look at LSU, St. Houston, Oregon State, Oregon State for me, Travis Bazana and Garrett Forster, again, we talked about some of these other teams and how their offensive lineups gravitate around these guys. Or uh, I look at those two guys for the Beavers is certainly the big key. And then St. Houston State, excuse me, St. Houston, they, they asked me to leave off the state. Uh, St. Houston, uh, when you look at their lineup, Joe Redfield's a really fun player. You know, it was a couple of years ago, Carlos Contreras was kind of the – you know, the sneaky, like, 400-hitting type of guy. Joe Redfield's a really talented back on the left side. I saw him against Abilene Christian a few weeks ago, and he was the guy that I'm like, wow, this guy's really good. And so 
keep an eye on him. He's he's one of those guys that can really get going. And Walker Yannick for St. Houston Rooms. Uh, you know, I loved him. We all liked him at Roundup earlier this year. He went, you know, he's had peaks and valleys throughout the season, but he had a red hot showing at the WAC tournament. There's going to be a lot of offense. And again, the key in this tournament is just going to be LSU's pitching. Yeah, I was encouraged actually by Ty Floyd against AM. Was it, it was against AM, right? At the SD tournament, he pitched really well for them. So they need to, they need that to carry over to this regional. But I'm taking up too much time, so I'll pass the torch. Well done. I'm going to go Trent Sellers of Oregon State. He is listed as the mm. game one starter, even though he did not pitch in Scottsdale. Oregon State is not well built for this regional. They're going to need pitching. And so he's obviously the key. He's the one guy in their rotation that feels like a legitimate bat misser. So Trent Sellers. And it does sound like he's listed as the game one starter. Joseph. I'm going to be quick on two different two different players. Tyler Davis, Sam Houston, I just find him really fascinating. He's had a really weird career for them. He's hitting four-something, 432, something along those lines. But there was a point in his career where he was more of a pitcher, mm-hmm. and now he's exclusively a hitter. Like, he's just – and he started his career at Wichita State. Like, it's just a weird career he's had, but he's having a great year. I like what Kendall said about LSU's pitching. Uh, to me, it's in that opening game, if I'm Jay Johnson, he doesn't need my help or my advice – I just think you got to pitch off scheme. Someone else has to beat Tulane. And I think their pitching staff can have it get it done. Thatcher Hurd and Ty Floyd, their issues are command. Tulane's an aggressive swinging team. T.O. Banks had a, has had a nice year, but yeah. he struck out 76 times or something. You don't have to necessarily be in the strike zone to get Tulane out. So for guys like Hurd and Floyd that have stuff but sometimes struggle with command, I think those are actually pretty good fits against that team. Fitzy? Yeah, I would agree with you, Joe. My my player here is going to be Gavin Turley. This was our one of our one of our big freshman of the year type picks for Oregon State. Dynamic, talented outfielder. He had a really big, I think, weekend. At least one game in the conference tournament. I know he had four hits, and it feels when he's really locked on. I think he's a huge locked in. He's a huge difference maker. He's had a, a solid year, ten home runs with a nine ninety three ops, but maybe more swing and miss there. He's not quite a finished product, but boy, if he's hot, I think he can just be a real difference maker. Love it. All right, boys, let me take us to Kentucky, to Lexington. The uh, insert your staying in the dorms joke. Uh, we know that's well publicized that the visiting teams are staying in the dorms. There's whatever going on in Lexington this week. The dorms look amazing. They're way nicer than the dorms that we all lived in. Um, but it's all fine. It's unique because it's not a power dominated regional. Kentucky likes to skill it up and run. West Virginia likes to skill it up and run. I still think West Virginia's got another run in them here, which will, I think West Virginia versus Kentucky is really interesting. Ball State can, like, this is not a one-hit wonder. They've been knocking on the door of this tournament for two years. They were last or first four out in 2021. Last year, they won the regular season and just got clipped in the tournament. And then Indiana's, I love their, they've got five position players who are underclassmen who any of those kids could win Big Ten player of the year someday like they're physical dynamic they're a little light on the mound indiana just not very not a lot of depth so it's an interesting regional i'm i think the baseball skill part of it will be fun joe player of interest first off you're saying they're, they're nicer than any dorms that we ever stayed in you you've obviously never seen the inside of my room at mitchell house rest in peace to mitchell house on the campus of, it doesn't uh, exist anymore in houston no it got torn down for a dining hall so rest, rest in peace. Um, I'm going to go Jackson Gray, Kentucky. Their lineup is based more on depth than star power. But if you had to pick somebody out, Jackson Gray is a guy who does a little bit of everything for them. He's got some pop, not so much in a traditional home run sense, but he's got 15 doubles, six triples, five home runs. 
He's stolen 19 bases. He's a true center fielder. Uh, he's on the all bicep team. That's important too. He just kind of does a little bit of everything. And he, he feels like the guy, even though other guys have maybe gotten more shine, Hunter Gillum, Emilian Petre, he actually feels like the guy who makes them go. Love that. Hey, can someone confirm? I Jake Mintz, I thought, said Jackson Gray played at Wash U with him. Is that? He did. He definitely played at Wash U. I don't know if it was the same time as Jake. but And then went Western Kentucky and now Kentucky? Yeah. Yep. Wow. The, the fact that he was at Wash U also means that Jackson Gray is smarter than the four of us put together. Yeah, but not, not smarter than Jake Mintz. Nope. nope, not smarter than Jake Mintz. Fitzy? Guys, I'm going to go with Ryan Peltier at Ball State. Defensive stalwart for them on the infield. And he's I think he's finally having a really big year offensively, too. I, I know that our guy, Burke Granger, saw him early on and loved him. And Rich Maloney has raved about his maturity and his leadership. And I think he's one of the key guys for that Ball State team. And they've got a lot of really good players. And you talk, I think somebody mentioned Trenner O'Donnell. Gives him a real ace. Fighting chance in that first game, and it, it, there's some juice here. But Ryan Peltier with 15 home runs and 19 doubles, hitting 350. That'll play, guys. That'll play. Kendall, I'll go with Caleb McNeely for West Virginia. We all talk about JJ Weatherhold, but I was really impressed with McNeely at the Big 12 tournament. He had a huge, huge, big time home run there at Globe Life, hitting 301, 13 doubles, 13 homers, 48 RBIs. I thought, you know, I thought for the most part, West Virginia looked a little was a little quiet offensively throughout the week at Globe Life. So, if they're going to win this regional, guys like Neely and Weatherhold, Weatherhold by the way, are pretty quiet at Globe Life as well. Those two guys are going to need to be, have big shows this week, and he's certainly a big time power producer. Like it, three fifty. We're stuck on that number. Joseph, take us to the Plains, please. Take us to Auburn. Yeah, one of the regionals I will be attending this weekend feels low-key one of the more competitive regionals. It doesn't have some of the bigger, sexier names, I think, that people look for in the regionals that, that feel tricky, but I think it is. When you take into account the fact that we still don't know what to make of Auburn's pitching, right? That seems to be a touch-and-go, game-to-game kind of thing. And you combine that with a Southern Miss team that was probably a few wins away from hosting themselves this season. Samford, a team that won a triple header in the SoCon finals, which proves that they are tougher than a Westminster cracker. Yes. And then you've got the four seed pin, who I think is the best four seed in the field, frankly. They've got a ro- three guys in their rotation who have ERAs of 309 or lower, batting average against of 220 or lower. They've all struck out more than a batter per inning, one of whom, Owen Cody, is transferring to Virginia. Virginia tends not to recruit bad players. They also have position players who are going to places like Duke, Texas. Virginia Tech, Texas A&M. So this is not a, you look at an Ivy League team and I don't, I think people expect them to be plucky and under talented, but that is not the case with this pin team. And I didn't even mention Eli Trope, a reliever they have who comes in firing 97 mile an hour gas. So like those dudes can play. If Auburn does not play well in that first game, they will lose because pin can, pin can play. And they're from Philly. Fitzy, what say you? Guys, I'm going to go with Justin Storm from Southern Miss. For me, he was a real difference maker in that run for them to the conference tournament. Just a big old angular left-hander whose who stuff plays, been, and I think he gave him five and two-thirds scoreless innings out of relief in the championship game against Louisiana with three hits, and I think that was his second appearance of the week. He was really good as well before that. They needed, I think, a guy like that, a real, like, a stopper that they could extend to emerge, and that that's happened. I think that's a key piece. I want to leave you with this on Southern Miss because 2009, when Corky Palmer was retiring, mm-hmm. Southern Miss made it to Omaha. Look this out. year, Scott Berry retiring after this season. Southern Miss is going to go to Omaha. 
They've got a team that has a lot of veterans from last year's Super Regional team. It's taken them a little while to figure some things out, but I've got one of the best aces in the country in Tanner Hall. This is the year for them, I think, to, to break through and get back there for the first time since Corky's last season. Kendall? You're not saying, but you're not saying, basically. No, I'm saying. Well, it's a... Oh, oh okay. mic drop. What are you going with here, KR? I'm going to go with our man, Danny Lynch. He's got such deceiving numbers. His batting average is sitting at 251, but if you look at the rest of his, his stat line, you can just follow their games. It seems like he always gets big hits for them. He's a guy, 14 doubles, 11 home runs, 49 RBIs. But what's really interesting is he has 43 walks in the season, which is seven more than the next guy on the team. Danny's just one of those guys that, that tends to find a way to get on base and also finds a way to get clutch hits. So you don't let that 251 fool you. He's a key hitter for Southern Miss going this regional. Yep. And I'll wrap us up with a couple names. Auburn, obviously Bryson Ware having a huge year. Ike Irish, one of the best freshmen in the country. Sanford is so interesting. Tony David taking over this program for Casey Dunn. They've got two boppers, John Anderson, 22 and 60. Lucas Steele, 16 and 50. And then they got an ace in Jacob Cravey, who's 98 innings and 120 strikeouts. So I agree with Joe. I think you kicked it off. Like this is a this regional, this whole pod is very interesting. The Cravey Tanner Hall day one pitching matchup. Pretty good. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Fitzy, take us to uh, take us to Clemson, the DK. Yeah, just obviously I just saw Clemson waltz through the ACC tournament 4-0. Look like just a wrecking ball. They're playing so well in all phases of the game. Now, you have to win 16 straight games, but boy, oh boy, the athleticism for their team leaps off the field. They're a really good defensive club. They cover a lot of ground in the outfield. They take care of it on the infield. I like – these are what I like about Clemson a lot – is they have power. Kid and Grice especially will scare you. And some other guys, Taylor and Cantarella, can get into it here and there, whatever. But they don't rely overly on the home run. I think they only have two guys with double-digit homers. They can beat you a lot of different ways. Certainly their speed. They take good at-bats. I think it's a really good, well-rounded offense. And they've been rewarded with one of the more daunting big-name two-seeds here. And I won't talk too much about Tennessee. I'll save them for you guys. But the question is, are they one of the better two-seeds, or are they just famous? That's mm. something I really want to find out. That's one for me, a big thing yeah. in this regional. And then you got two other teams that are interesting, too. Charlotte was a preseason, a preseason Omaha sleeper for me that didn't look good for a while. And here they are. They're in the postseason. Their offense is very scary. As we know, Cam Fisher leads the nation in home runs. And Lipscomb quietly had a great year. Upstaged FGCU, which got more headlines. Lipscomb is a team that won the regular season and the conference tournament. like it. Kendall? I'm just going to talk about Cam Fisher for a second because I was actually on his player page as he was talking. How about these numbers from Cam Fisher, guys, going to the weekend? If you're watching the action this weekend, most definitely tune into this guy. 350. Batting average, 12 doubles, 30 home runs, 64 RBIs, and 61 walks with a 1.334 OPS. And he's, a, he, again, he's a guy that if Charlotte is going to upset Tennessee and make a run to this tournament, he's going to have a, you know, going to need a bit, uh, have a big weekend to play. Cool. I'll be, I'll be Sanford-centric, and their shortstop, his name is Caleb Oh, where'd I go? Wrong page. There it is. Sanford, I, I just like, did. Lipscomb. Here we go. I was going to say. All right. Yeah, sorry. I'm they so, threw me so, a curveball there, Coach. Yeah, really fired up. I switched them. I moved. I was sitting, I moved. sitting fastball. Yeah. You just dropped that yeah. big old yacker in there on us. I moved to regional. <laughs> Sanford, you're no longer. He's being his uh, own committee and moving teams around. That's right, because I can. So, Lipscomb, factoid, they have four players with 16 or more bombs. One of them is their shortstop, Caleb Ketchup, which is a great wow. last name. He's got 16 home runs and 30 steals, and he's playing shorts. Lipscomb, very interesting team, and Caleb Ketchup. I got my eye on you. I liked him when he was a Sounds junior. Sounds like I found my new favorite player. 
Yeah. He I was at Georgia. He, he started at Georgia. I he started at Georgia and he was, I remember seeing him and being intrigued by him. He just never got a, close to seeing the field, but he's really run with his opportunity. Like it. Joe. I'll go wide. Hudipole from Charlotte. He started his career at Kentucky. It just didn't click. He was a big recruit for Kentucky when he started there. It just didn't work out. He's now at Charlotte and things that have really come together. And when I saw Charlotte earlier this season, he was really the only pitcher it seemed like they really trusted. So he's carried a heavy load for them this year. And I think it's, this is a big opportunity for him. I assume he's going to start that first game against Tennessee. And that has to feel like a good opportunity for him to show that, hey, I still am an SEC quality starter, even though it didn't work out for me at my SEC school. No respect for the SEC. No respect for the Vols. Nobody took a Vol on this upset. Well, you already said they're so famous. Like, just read your local tabloid and you can learn about the Vols. Yes. Never heard Tony V has his own GIF so or GIF, depending on your preference. And so that that pretty much tells you everything you need to know. It's an impressive GIF. To you, though, too. Coach. I have my own GIF? Yes. Oh, yeah, that that my the torque bomb from several years yeah. ago. I don't know how to reuse it, though. That's the only problem. Uh, Kendall, would you like to kick us off on the right side of the bracket? You will take the uh, Gainesville Regional, please. I thought I, already, I thought I just took No, I had Auburn. Clemson. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, my bad. Yeah, so this is an interesting regional. I think when you look at Florida, Florida is my national championship pick. So obviously I'm going to speak very highly of Florida, but I love the position that Florida's in right now. This is an ultra-confident team. They're balanced top to bottom their lineup. Tags didn't pitch particularly well at the SEC tournament. He can be a little off and on, especially after three or four innings. But again, I like the back end of their bullpen right now, the way they're throwing for the most part. But then you look at Texas Tech and Connecticut. We talked earlier about Maryland being a team that will not be scared at Wake. Well, Connecticut's not going to be scared at Gainesville. They just won a regional year. Uh, over Maryland, they were, you know, went away from getting to Omaha last year, and they got a lot of those guys, you know, like Ben Huber went on back this season. So uh, Connecticut's certainly a, a quality team. And then Texas Tech, for me, guys, is just one of those teams. I'll be interested to see how they pitch this weekend. So over the weekend, Kyle Robinson threw really well for them. Yeah. I thought, for the most part, they're pitching, performing at a high level. Offensively, Hudson White was really impressive. The Big 12 tournament hit for some power, hit, the, you know, gap power. Was very consistent offensively. Gavin Cash was ultra impressive. He had a like a 438 foot bomb at Globe Life. And so when you look at Texas Tech, the big key for them is their pitching has been very erratic this year. How do they pitch this weekend? And those two guys I mentioned, Gavin Cash, Wide Hudson, uh, was ultra impressive over the past week. We'll see if he can kind of carry that on into Gainesville. All right, so player of interest, I'll go UConn Huskies. How about David Smith, who's playing left field, but I think he's an athlete who can play all over the place. 69 runs scored. He's got 38 stolen bases. Just a really good player, 19 doubles. Connecticut, just the names change. They just keep winning baseball games. But give me David Smith. Joe? I will also go a UConn player. I was going to go Dominic Freeberger, a transfer. That was my Aaron impression. Thank you. Transfer from UNC Asheville, and I think it's a – one of the reasons I chose him is to Rune's point, I think it's illustrative of the way UConn uses the portal. Like they, they do a lot of D3 transfers from the Northeast, but he's Dominic Freeberger is a guy who had a pretty nice career at UNC Asheville, by the way, shout out to Highland Brewing Company in Asheville. Like a <laughs> side but, sponsor. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Hit us up. Highland Brewing <laughs> Company. Be happy to do business with you. Although no, actually, you know what? We are strictly a Brock's Gap Brewing Company. Exclusive. Company. We, that's, ex, that's, we have an exclusivity with them. So never mind. Don't get at us, Highland Brewing Company, but yeah. I appreciate the work. Buzz off. And now I'm at, now I'm out of time, but basically he's had a really. <laughs> Call that a filibuster really right there, Coach. Brew off. At UNC Asheville, having a really nice year at UConn. I do think it just shows that UConn, 
works quietly in the portal, but they're one of those programs that tends to find guys who are really good fits. Love it. Fitzy, go ahead. Guys, here's what I got for you. Hunter, I hope I'm saying his name right. I should know how to say it. Hunter Vietz. Vietz or Vietz. I think it's Hunter Vietz at Florida A&M. This guy's had a really good year. Again, two years in a row. He's been awesome. Sub three ERA. Not easy to do in this day and age. Two, two, four, five ERA, in fact. Mrs. Bats, he's a veteran, six foot four, 220 pound physical right hander. Does he give them a fighting chance, the Rattlers? Does he give the Rattlers a fighting chance in that first game against the Gators? Probably not. It'd be a neat story if he did. And if you're looking for an under the radar pick, Jack Caglione, a sneaky good player for the he's the indie band of this regional yes said boys let me take you to columbia south kakalaki south carolina controversial pick depending on how you look at things the best version of south carolina was in that series against lsu which was one of the best weekends even though it wasn't completed it was a really compelling weekend this year will sanders we think is going to pitch braylon wimmer's back but we think he's actually going to play a position too so I am very intrigued by South Carolina. Central Connecticut State, just this awesome program in the Northeast. Charlie Hickey's eighth regional at Central Connecticut State. Go Blue Devils. NC State, depending on your viewpoint, a controversial add into the field, but very dangerous. I felt like NC State was underachieving all year based on their talent. And so maybe now is when they figure it out. Gino Groover's a hit machine. Jacob Cozart's been great. Matt Willardson and Sam Heifel are still there. And then Campbell, you know, I mean, the mid-major that just keeps winning games and they're incredibly impressive and have a killer roster again this year. So this is a cool regional. There's a lot of different outcomes for this one. Joe, player of interest. I'm going to go James Hicks for South Carolina. We have some certainty with with South Carolina. We know Jack Mahoney is going to start a game. They feel pretty confident in him right now. He's pitching pretty well. Eli Jones has come on and done some nice things. I think he'll get a start. But it, not much went right for South Carolina at the SEC tournament last week. But one thing that did is that James Hicks got the ball to start the tournament against Georgia and threw the ball really well. He's been a starter before. He was a starter throughout 2022. This year he was put in the bullpen because at the start of the year, South Carolina had a plethora of starting rotation options. And so Hicks ends up in the bullpen and he did a good job against a Georgia lineup. And for all of Georgia's faults this year, they could still hit. And so he did a, just did a good job against them. So he's a guy that strikes me as someone who you get to a Sunday, you get to a regional final. If you're not sure what you're going to get from Sanders, whether it's Hicks coming out of the bullpen for an extended outing or getting a start, it feels like he's going to end up playing a pretty important role. Love it. Fitzy. Yeah, for sure. Guys, I want to talk about Campbell because for me, this offense reminds me so much of 2014 Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns. Ooh, you're speaking my is, love language now. It is. Let's go. Big-time power and big-time speed, hyper-aggressive with the bunting game, push, drag, whatever, bunt for a hit. They can beat you so many different ways. They lead the nation in scoring. They are ninth in the nation in stolen bases per game, and they're fourth in the nation in home runs per game. So it gives you an idea of how balanced their attack is. And the player that personifies that best is Jared Belbin, the veteran second baseman. He's got 19 homers. He's got 25 steals and 25 tries. That's You've also got, of course, the Big South Player of the Year, Lawson Harrell, who's got 22 home runs. you got Tyler Halstead, who's got 32 steals. They just have a lot of really good players. It's a scary offense, and I love them in that ballpark, which, of course, is home run friendly. Love it. By the way, at the neutral bullet at the 43-11 mark of the podcast. Well done, J. Rowe. Kendall, player of interest? Yeah, let's go to Central Connecticut State left-hander Dominic Neiman. 
Mm. He's a guy that's made 14 starts this season, 2.76 ERA, 90 strikeouts, boys, and just 24 walks in 97 and two-thirds. And a guy with pretty good size, 6'3", 225, and a guy with the maximum pitchability. So uh, I'm assuming he will start against the uh, Gamecocks. Like it. Joseph, take us to the Lawrenceville, New Jersey Regional as played at Conway, South Carolina. Go Bronx, Bronx Nation. First of all, importantly, the only region that features a head coach with his doctorate. Shout out to Dr. Barry Davis. The doc. Uh, writer's head coach. It must be said. Look, Coastal Carolina is one of those teams that has had, we've looked at them as a host basically for the entire second half of the season. And it's just been an assumption and just a shoe in but I'll be fascinated to see how they do because I think they've also been a team that we've seen as having flaws. What do they have on the mound? They've been nicked up at times. They've got some guys who are pitching through some things. And it wasn't like it was a standout pitching staff to, to begin. When I talked to Gary Gilmore for the fall report I did on Coastal, he, he, was, he really questioned how good they'd be in general, but especially so on the mound. And so how does, how does that pitching hold up in a regional setting against good teams? That being said, this feels like a relatively manageable draw from that standpoint. Duke has its own issues on the mound, has some injuries there. UNCW, really, really good team. Can't say enough about the way they fought their way into postseason position as the season went on. But this feels like if Coastal was going to host, there are some opponents where I think we'd look at it and say, this might actually be one of those trendy regionals where we look at the two seed as maybe actually being the favorite. But given the draw they got, I think it, it works out fairly well for Coastal Carolina if they're going to get through this thing. Fitzy. Guys, I want to talk about James Talon because Duke's strength has been his bullpen. All, uh, one of its strengths, they actually have a really powerful offense too. There's a lot to like about Duke, but their bullpen has been a major strength. And really they built their staff from the back forward. And James Talon was such a key part of that all year long. True freshman lefty, elite vertical approach angler, whatever. The fastball plays way up beyond his velocity. He attacks you primarily with the fastball. I am just slightly concerned. Is there perhaps a little freshman wall happening? Because the last two times out, he's not been very good. He got hit down at Miami. He got hit by Miami again in the conference tournament. Just something to keep an eye on. I think he's a key piece. Now, that said, my other, I guess, player for Duke to keep an eye on is Fran Shell, who looked the part big time at the conference tournament in that extra game against NC State. I think it was 4-0. So he put up, up to 95-96. Maybe he might touch you a 7. Philly kid. Malvern prep kid really come into his own as a sophomore this year. He's probably going to be a really key part of this thing for Duke. If they make a run. Love it. KR. Yeah. I'm going to go with the UNC Wilmington. I'm going to go with Jack Kroon. Uh, this is a guy that when I did a feature on UNC Wilmington several weeks ago, it was right after the TCU series, like uh, Randy coach, Randy hood didn't say enough great things about this kid. Said he's take, had taken a huge step forward this season. He has more walks and strikeouts, can hit for a little bit of power, has, certainly has gap power, leads our team in a 363 average, but he's one of several players in this lineup that have taken a big step forward. They've got some really nice young talent, Tanner Thatch from the left side, a real projectable frame there, 15 homers, 67 RBI. So they've got several really nice offensive and pieces to, to watch the Founders part this weekend. Cool. I'll wrap us up or with in, two. Excuse me. The Conway. Whatever. The, whatever. Springs. Brooks, Brooks, Brooks Stadium. Brooks Field. Brooks Park. Yeah, sorry. Yes. No offense. Brooks family. So for Coastal, their heartbeat feels like second baseman Peyton Eels. For yeah. Duke, their heartbeat is Alex Mooney, their shortstop. And those are two players mm-hmm. that I absolutely have my eye on. Those are 
big persona players for both clubs make make them go. Uh, well done, boys. All right, let's go Virginia, the Charlottesville Regional. Is that you, Fitzy? I think yes, it, is. it is. Yeah, it is yes. me. Yeah, this is fascinating for me. I think you got four good teams here. Army has been a perennial postseason program recently. They're not going to be intimidated here. They dominated their league, the Patriots. Now, it's not the same caliber, of course, as the ACC or the Big 12. But you got Oklahoma, who was in the national title game last year. Didn't really have a at-large worthy season. I mean, below 500, they were 31 and 26 overall. Is this a house money team? I feel like NC State could be a house money team. Oklahoma, I don't know if they're, the thing is, I just don't know if they're good enough. I just don't know if they're good enough to make a real run. I think NC State could be good enough to make a real run, but we'll see. East Carolina, I actually love this draw for them. I think it's a great ballpark for them. I think East Carolina has the best pitching in this regional. And I know it's been a quiet 45 win season for East Carolina for a while. They weren't even in first place in their league in the middle of the year. It was weird, but you look up and they're there. And I just think they have the depth on the mound. They have power arms. They have variety. They have a lot of veterans. Love the veteran pitching staff here. As much as I like Virginia's position player group, I think East Carolina's pitching is up to the task here. And it's a place where they're comfortable. They go up and play in Charlottesville in the fall all the time. I think they're going to be, they're going to feel good in that setting. I have a feeling this is the year for the Pirates to bust down the door and get to Omaha. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go, <laughs> Pirates. Kendall? Yeah, well, I think when I look at Oklahoma, John Spikerman, he's a guy that we were all very high on coming the season, struggled for the first three months of the season. Frankly, you know, the first four months of the season. And in the month of May, he had 437, 15 walks, four stolen bases, and nine runs scored. So he's a guy that's starting to finally figure things out offensively. Some guys start out hot and pretty slow. He's finishing his season on a hot streak. So keep it on John Spikerman, who can not only do things with some gap power, but also clearly with his speed, he can make things really happen for those Sooners offense. So keep it on him this weekend, Seville. I'll go Virginia. Connolly Early is an Army transfer, and he might pitch against Army. I don't know how they're going to do that, but it's that's the question mark for Virginia. Their position player group so dynamic. When they get pitching, they're a top-five team. When they don't get pitching, they're not. And so I, I agree with Fitzy, though. East Carolina won a regional in Charlottesville in 2016. This is not a bad draw for them at all, but give me Connolly Early. And one last thought on this, Runes, since I made this East Carolina-Omaha pick. I feel like maybe they're better off being on the road. Instead of trying to break down this door, you got this huge monkey on your back for decades trying to get to Omaha for the first time ever. They were so close they could taste it last year. I wonder if not having to do that and deliver that for your fans and your home field, maybe that's where they need to get there. I could see it happening this year. I like it. Go ahead, Joe. What if – okay, hear me out. Keep your third eye open, everyone. What if Army sent Connolly early to Virginia – as like a espionage on a special mission to throw this regional. Oh my gosh. How about that? Come on. Yeah. Like mind that? officially blown. How do you like that? Yeah. I'm also disappointed. Th- by is the that way, 3d chess more... or is that 4d chess? That's too many to admit. We can't even, I feel like that's like... frowned upon at the NCAA level as we noted. Look, I'm not suggesting, Awesome-in-love I'm just asking more. questions. Okay. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> I'm also right. disappointed that Aaron went with the Howard Dean reference, as opposed to doing a bum Phillips reference for East Carolina. When he said that last year we knocked on the door this year, we beat on it. Next year, we're going to kick the SOB in. I would have preferred, <laughs> I would have preferred so that reference. Anyway, my player is Army's Ross Friedrich. He has 17 home runs. That's my time. Oh, thank you. Okay. He's great. More, more, physic, more physicality for Army. That's my bigger yeah. point. More yeah, Shotgun Spratling wrote that their lineup is really Sam Root is in there, Kevin DeBrule, their shortstop. Army's position player group is not joking around. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. 
Kendall, take us to Nash Vegas, your former place of residence. Yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, this could be an interesting regional. I think when you look at Eastern Illinois, major props to the Panthers. This was a program that, frankly, for years was a punching bag, and they turned things around. Uh, their first postseason berth since 2008. Yeah, I think when you look at this team, keeping out Ryan and Napo, uh, leads their team with a 335 average, 15 home runs, and 59 RBIs. Then you look at Xavier, Matt McCormick, a guy that started his career at West Virginia, was at Tennessee for a bit, and now has found himself or reinvented himself as Xavier with double-digit home runs this year. Billy O'Connor did a terrific job with that team this year. Then at Oregon, when you look at the job they did, the Pac-12 tournament, Saban Savalos was was really good for them uh, d- during the Pac-12 tournament. I have major questions about the Ducks as long as Chase Stoffel is out. I don't know if they can win this regional without him. But I tell you what, they can really hit, and it all starts with Saban Savalos. I'll go. I'll go. Hunter Owen, player of interest for Vandy. It just feels like Carter Holton's not going to pitch again this year, which means Hunter Owen becomes really critical. He yeah. gave them a second ace under the radar. Joe, did he throw in Hoover? Hunter Owen. He did three innings. Okay, so that's something. But yeah, I think Vandy, if they pitch, that that their, their pitching depth is really just a separator for them. So give me Hunter Owen. Your is turn, it, is Joseph. It yes, sir. Yes. I never remember the order. It's shocker that Joe is Joe can't remember the order. Thank you for being kind to me. I'm going Eastern Illinois closer Zane Robbins, and I bring him up just because I happened to watch like the last couple innings of their clincher while I was at Hoover. I had this game up on my phone, and the dude has a delivery that I've never seen before. <laughs> like it's way over the top, and he like leans back and comes over the top with it, and he has this giant yacker of a curveball that he really leans heavy on. He throws pretty hard too, but it's a big body. I think he transferred from the University of Hartford, if I have that correctly. I have that correct. So just a fun pitcher because it's just not, it's not really like anything. And just quickly too, Kendall mentioned riding Nafo, also a pretty good reliever. I saw him a couple falls ago off the mound. He was up to 94 miles an hour. I don't really know where he's at now, but best hitter and also one of their best relievers. Love that. Let's see. Guys, I feel like I'd be letting the people down if I didn't give you Riku Nishida. Yes. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give him to you. He is so fun, guys. He's the guy that that really makes this Oregon team go. He's the emotional. It feels like one of the emotional, uh, I guess, leaders, a spark plug, certainly, for this team. Lead-off guy, a little, little slapper. He'll play with a wood bat. He'll go back to a metal bat. He might go back to a wood bat all in the same game. How cool is that? He, that just is likes might bring a, he might bring a bow door to the plate. You just don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Runs, he's that classic slap and dash style of approach, like almost an Ichiro-ish deal that, that you'll see. He's just a, an infectious energy player. So much fun to watch. And Guys, I'm going to tell you, I like Oregon here. I like Oregon. I like the way they're coming together, even with without Stoffel. I think they can piece together on the mound. They can mix and match. Most of these teams these days are mixing and matching. There's not a lot of real horses out there. I think they got enough guys. I, I like what I saw in that conference tournament. All right. So that is me in Stillwater. Let's let's start the timer here. So this was the incredible regional last year. Oklahoma State really came together at the end of the year like they typically do. They showed a lot more pitching in Arlington than I thought they had. Nolan McLean missed 16-ish games this year. He's back. He's not swinging it great, but he really adds to them. 
on the mound. Oklahoma State's interesting. I think they're lying in the weeds. Oral Roberts is a scary four seed. They're 46 and 11. They've played in Stillwater. They'll be comfortable. It's a very good team. Washington is this nice mix of Southern California skill it up, and then they've got some physicality. A.J. Guerrero, Will, oh gosh, what's his name? Will Simpson, their big slugger. And then DBU is, this is like this vintage version of DBU. They've still got the really good bullpen with power arms. They've got a better rotation than they normally do. And they still hit and hit for power. Maybe not as much power as normal, but what they're added this year is they run. Like they, they've added a dimension to their team. So DBU very again, DBU and Oral Roberts, 45 and 46 wins right there. This is this one could get really interesting. Joe, player of interest. Yeah, this is a classic Oral Roberts team. Like it's been a while since we've had an Oral Roberts team that felt like classic Oral Roberts, right? They were still typically towards the top of the summit league, but they didn't always win the auto bid anymore. And when they did get into regionals, they, they, they had stopped winning games in regionals. This strikes me as a team that maybe could do a little something here. Jonah Cox is the player I'm going to go with. He's their leading hitter, 422 average. Just He's like a box score stuffer, you know, that phrase in basketball. He's hitting 422, 16 doubles, 8 triples, 9 home runs, 26 stolen bases. Does a little bit of everything. Really makes them go offensively. Love it. Fitzy. Yeah, Coach, you mentioned it. DBU, they do have power. I made the mistake earlier this year of thinking this is more of a pitching team for Dallas Baptist than an offensive team. And that's true. They have really good pitching. I, that's for me why they're going to Omaha this year. They are going to Omaha this year. The Pirates and the Patriots, the two best programs that have never been in the College World Series, are going to bust down the door in tandem along with Southern Dano. Miss. It's going to be really You made exciting. those picks in your bracket? Yes, I did. And I'm making, and I'm making oh, well. them now, and I made them my bracket. Aaron's got all of the mid-major powers getting to Omaha in the it's, same. It's the year. I'm telling you, this is the year. This team, because there's not a lot of teams that have real arms, and this team does. It starts with Ryan Johnson at the top of the rotation, so I guess that's my player. But they also have real power. They're like 12th in the nation in home runs was the point I was going to make. And leading the way, you got a couple of 21, 20 home run guys, Grant Jay and Ethan Mann. You don't sleep on the power. I think it's actually not a bad fit for that ballpark. I was nervous when I first saw it, then I looked closer, and I was like, you know what? The power numbers came on i think they'll be okay there love it kendall Rins, i'm gonna do two real quick and just because joe talked about an ORU guy but for me nolan schubert for oklahoma state that was my first time to see him up close at, at global life and man what an impressive player just tall projectable frame huge power like i love his offensive approach he was ultra impressive. He's going to be a big key for them this weekend. And then I, I kind of like the redemption story. And I look at Matt Hogan and ORU. You know, he's a kid that started his career at Vandy, an ultra talented high school player if he ended up at Vanderbilt. Struggled there, went to South Carolina, struggled there. And then all of a sudden now at ORU, 344 average, 16 homers, 63 RBIs. He's had a terrific year for the Golden Eagles. A hat tip to Matt Hogan, who stayed the course and has had a great redemption story this year for ORU. Boy, that's a great poll, Kendall. I didn't even know he was there. Yeah, I yeah, saw I him in the, that was the same Matt Hogan. I saw him <laughs> in the cave. I think it was last summer of the year before now at this point, but it looked like he was figuring it out. It figuring it was like yeah. right there. Like you could see the tools, you could see the speed and the power, and it just needed a chance to play every day, man. Good for him. By the way, boys, Rob Walton, this is his 28th year in college baseball. He's never missed a regional. Not as a player, not as a coach at Oral Roberts, head coach, assistant coach. Never missed a regional. How about that? so, that's awesome. Yeah, 28 exactly. for 28. 
Uh, Joe, you have yeah. Terre Haute. Oh, my gosh. Uh, of course I do. The spokesperson. I mean, you are talking to one of the two co-hosts of the Missouri Valley Conference Coaches Roundtable twice a year with me and Shane Dennis, former Wichita State legend Shane Dennis. Yeah. Former Nippon professional baseball legend Shane Dennis. Played Love in Japan. It. I don't know if it was called the Nippon League at the time, but regardless. Um, Indiana State, you want to host? Okay, here you go. Here's Wright State as your four seed. Let's, let's talk about getting thrown into the fire there. We know what Wright State's about. They're going to come to play. Even a team last year, Wright State was in the regional I covered last year in Blacksburg, and they gave Virginia Tech all they could handle, right? We know what that's about. UNC feels sneaky up until they ran into Clemson, both in the last weekend of the regular season and in the ACC tournament. They've been playing a lot better, and we started to look at them as, hey, maybe that's a team that can actually get into this host discussion, right? They fell short of that. They're actually the three here. has to be one of the better threes in the field, I would think. That's a team you can't count out. And then Iowa's they got nothing but pro arms on that staff. It feels like the guys they're going to see are going to be real dudes. This is one of Rick Heller's best teams. if not his best team he's had. And considering they've been missing some pieces with suspension, that's pretty impressive stuff. But I think we were all talking the other day about how this is one of the quietest 40 some odd win teams in the history of college baseball that Iowa has. I think that truly, even this is one of the rare regionals where I think any of these four teams could come out of it. Yep. Wright State might not have the pitching depth ultimately to get through it, but I don't think it would be a total shocker if they figured it out and did so. Really intriguing regional because it could go any direction. Yes, sir. I feel the same way, by the way, about Lexington and maybe even Stillwater. I mean, we didn't talk much about Washington, but Washington and ORU is a four. Ball State is a four in Lexington. State is a four in, in Terre Haute. Those all feel like teams that could win regionals if they catch lightning in a bottle. And not even that much yeah. lightning. Those teams are very talented and accomplished. I'm going to go. Here's the thing. North Carolina, this does not feel like a vintage North Carolina team by any means. And Max Carlson was supposed to be the dude. He's been up and down this year. It seems like you've seen flashes of the old Max here down the stretch, but Jake Knapp's emergence. That's my player, guys. Jake Knapp has really been a key for them. Always had a big arm. Juco transfer who came in this year, tantalized them, but like the strike throwing, the efficiency just wasn't there. He's made some adjustments with Brian Gaines, the pitching coach. He's found it with the pitchability piece. He was great in the ACC tournament. It is power stuff, 92, 94, might show you a five. Good slider. Starting to throw a little change up once in a while against lefties. He's a more complete pitcher, more polished pitcher. He's an innings eater for him. I like the way the bullpen has come together behind those guys, but they need to get some length out of the starters, and Knapp is a guy that's starting to give it to him. Kendall. Yeah, you know what? I'm just going to go with Iowa's entire rotation. I think in a year where you don't really see too many strong one, two, three punches on the mound in college baseball, I think when you look at Brody Breck and Marcus Morgan, Ty Langenberg, Langenberg and, and Morgan Roots, as we saw around, like those guys have kind of had their ups and downs at times this year. But it's hard to find a four or five rotations better than that trio that Iowa has. So I think if you get into regional, get into super – Having three options or three frontline options like that in the rotation is a, a very important thing, and Iowa has that this weekend. I'll go. You guys know I'm smitten with Indiana State. Connor Fenlong, who's their Saturday guy, has four complete game shutouts. It's Cutter, Cutter. Matt Jasek, their ace, is just like Thomas Eshelman light. But Randall Diaz is their shortstop. He's from Puerto Rico. He's physical. He plays with flair and energy. Really good player. It's power. It's bat the ball. I love this Indiana State team, and Randall Diaz is what makes him – he makes them very different than most mid-majors to me. Fitzy, I think you wrap us up with Fayetteville, right? You're muted, Fitzy. I just clicked unmute. It didn't register. I'm <laughs> that's your you. second Kendall of the day. Oh, that's a 15-yard penalty. You get one warning, and then that's it. Ejected. 
Guys, I think this is a sneaky, challenging regional for Arkansas. Great. And I think Arkansas is going to win it because Arkansas wins regionals. That's generally what Arkansas does. They're such a good team. They're so tough. But it's not, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that TCU could come in here and play spoiler coming off a great performance, the Big 12 tournament. This was a, you know, people forget that this was a preseason, what, top 15 team TCU? I don't know if we had them top 10. We, they were up there. They have pedigree, they have a lot of talent. Being the year, they went to that 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 term out there in Globe Life and beat three SEC teams and looked great doing it. Didn't they? Didn't they go three and zero that week? Kendall, you were there. No, yeah, they lost so. to Missouri. Oh, they did. They lost to Missouri. Oh, yeah. They beat Arkansas and, and But I mean, you know, they played great though. Talented team playing up to its potential right now. Arizona, certainly anyone who watched the Pac-12 tournament on TV is, wow, this is definitely a regional team. Like this team could, they look like a team that could get to Omaha the way they're playing right now. They did not look like a team that went 12 and 18 in the league and got swept four times. And that's a a dangerous offense right there. Do they have enough arms? I don't know. I like the fact that Arkansas has gotten healthier on the mound now. It feels like they're, They've been steady Eddie all season long, but it feels like it's all coming together at the right time for Arkansas, Joe. I don't know if you've seen them up close more than I have, but I'd be curious when it comes around to you, what you think on that. You want to go? Let's go reverse and, and order. San, go ahead, and Joe. Santa Clara, by the way, I'm told by someone who was at that West Coast Conference tournament bearing down on it, they look like a really a sneaky, frisky, kind of scary little four seed. So keep an eye on yeah. them. Old and they've got some power. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead, Joe. Let's go reverse order. Go ahead. I think – you always have to, you can never discount Arkansas in a situation like this. They just figure things out. Relatedly, I, my player of interest was going to be Hagen Smith. Now that's obvious, but the reason I bring him up is because they found some success in the SEC tournament piggybacking Hagen Smith and Hunter Holland. And in the regular season, they used Hunter Holland and Hagen Smith in that order to beat LSU. In the tournament, they went the other way to beat LSU. Do they do that again? Do they split those guys up? I'm fascinated to see what they decide there. And part of the reason that's relevant is there are some signs of some other things that have been working for them on the mound fading a little bit. Gage Woods velocity was down at the SEC tournament. Dave Van Horn said they'd have to evaluate whether they can use him this weekend in the regional. Will McIntyre has pitched. Cody Adcock has had his moments. They've got arms. The bigger thing for Arkansas is going to be getting their offense going. They were a little flat at the SEC tournament. And I think some of that is just the nature of the fact that look, Jared Wagner's only a couple weeks back from a thumb injury where he couldn't swing the bat. It's just going to take him some time to get back in the groove of things. This tends to be the time when Arkansas plays its best baseball. They've got some questions, but I'm just, I'm not going to doubt them at this stage. All right. I'll go, I'll go Arizona. Cause KR, you're probably going to go TCU. You know, the two players that stand out for me in Arizona, Arizona's not going to pitch their way through this regional. They got to out slug you. And Chase Davis is, he could be a first round pick. He could be a really good first round pick. Sounds like he's, rocketing up boards um and when he hits a home run it's not a fence scraper and then nick mcclary their shortstop is just like this throwback he looks like ollie from hoosiers but he's just an he's an absolute he's like the life of this team he he gets after guys and it's just old school like a verbal leader on the field love nick mcclary's game disappointed that his college career is almost over so there's a couple arizona guys go ahead kr yeah, you know what? Brayden Taylor was awesome at the Big 12 tournament, but I'm going to go with Elijah Nunez. I just think when you look at TCU's offense, like Elijah is the one who just really gets them going. Kind of like Nishida at Oregon. Like Nunez is their guy at TCU. He's got the he's got the fiery personality. He can steal bases. He can bunt. He can hit for a little bit of power. He's just an exciting overall player. So for me, it's Elijah Nunez because when he gets rolling, then Braden Taylor and the rest of that lineup tends to follow suit. I like it. 
Well done, boys. Hey, let's do our second read as we wrap. That's Blast Baseball. If you're ready to dominate the plate, Blast Baseball is trusted by more MLB and college teams than any other hitting solution. The Blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat, provides real-time feedback with every swing. Go to BlastMotion.com, enter the code D1Baseball at checkout, save $10. Other thing I want to alert everyone to is this is the perfect time to get a subscription to D1Baseball.com. Use the code SAVE30 at checkout. You get 30% off. You do not want to enter the postseason without your subscription to D1Baseball.com, SEC Extra. SAVE30 at checkout will get you 30% off. We all know, this is common knowledge, that the Kurt Reed Award often comes down to the postseason. So you don't want to you don't want to be snoozing on the Kurt Reed Award while people are thriving in the postseason. Kendall, we're still giving away the farm, right? We're still doing 30% off? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, awesome. Coupon Kendall for the win. Uh, the coupons are working. It was a great set day, so keep it coming, people. Nice. By the way, boys, I'm going to adjust the Chuck Box Press Box theme night. One option, it's not going to be Jersey night. It's going to be Tom Brady Jersey night. Can yeah. you imagine our good friend Chris from Louisville, how he would feel walking in the press box <laughs> and 30 people in Tom Brady jerseys? Oh, that'd be amazing. And he's that one of them. Sense. He's got to be one of them. Yeah, we'll get him a jersey. Yeah. Yep. Boys, well done. Hey, be, make sure everyone's checking out the website. Those regional previews will be forthcoming. And uh, that's it. Have a great week, and we'll catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast. The D1 Baseball Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.